The following message is from the North Shore Christian Centre MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about North Shore Christian Centre is available at www.nscc.org.au. Have your Bibles, would you open up to Genesis chapter 12 and we'll get into God's Word. It's great to be back. Let me tell you something, it's awesome to visit places around the world, but there's nothing like home. What do you reckon, eh? Don't you love home? And so um, it's just great to see you. And um, I, I was noticing in the first service that some of our young people have grown taller while I was away. It's amazing. Amazing. I've grown wider, but um, it's always good to grow taller. And, uh, and, and I just want to read something from God's Word just to encourage you on your journey. Because this year we called it the year of blessing and favor. God spoke to me last year and said 2014 is going to be a year of blessing and favor for North Shore Christian Center. And I want you to have blessing and favor upon your life this year. It's my prayer. Really big prayer for you. Blessing and favor. For you to just to come into a whole new dimension of blessing and favor. But what I notice is that sometimes there are barriers to getting into the blessing. And, and so as I was praying about this and meditating upon the, the barriers that some people just hit these barriers, and, and I kind of felt God drop a word in my heart for this morning on how to break some of those barriers so that you can be ushered into the blessing factor. So how many of you want to know how to break the barriers that hinder your blessing? So there's three barriers I want to talk about. And I, and I, and I want to share with you from the, the life of Abraham how he just understood how to break these barriers and come into the blessing. Because the introduction to the whole concept of blessing is found in Genesis chapter 12. This is where there's this introduction of the heart of God that wants to see his people blessed. So let's read Genesis chapter 12, um, first couple of verses and then a little bit more. It goes like this. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house to a land that I will show you. This is really important that you get this. God said, now I want you to get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house. Notice how specific he was. From your country, from your family, from your father's house. The very three things that give us comfort. The very three things that we want to surround ourselves with all the time. And he says, to a land that I will show you. So, for what reason? Because I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Three things that really come out out of this scripture is this. God was saying to Abraham, I want you to leave the place that you know to go to a place that you don't know, to receive something you don't have. Let me say it again. God was saying three things to Abraham out of that scripture. He was saying, I want you to leave the place that you know, the place that you've created to make yourself comfortable. Basically, we all create a place for ourselves where we stay comfortable But while we stay in that place, we'll only ever get what we already have. In order to receive something that we don't have, we've got to move to a new place. 
a place that's a scary place, a place that we don't know, a place that we've never been to. It's, it's, it's a place that requires faith. It's a place that requires revelation. And when we get to that place, then we'll receive something that we don't have. What happens is that a lot of people want to receive the something they don't have, but they want to stay where they are and keep doing what they've always done. And I want to say to you that if you keep doing what you've always done, then you'll only ever receive what you already have. If you want to receive what you don't have, then you've got to break through and you've got to break into a new place. But there are barriers that stop us from moving on. And so the first barrier that, that I, want, I want to confront today, and it's just this huge barrier, I call it the trusting God barrier. The trusting God barrier. Everybody say the trusting God barrier. See, it's one thing to have a theology about God. It's another thing to trust God. Everybody's got a theology about God. But do we... Trust is actually the practicality of the theology. See, see if, if, if I'd ask you, is God good? What's the answer to that question? All the time. Or, yeah, of course he is. But are you really willing to trust the fact that he's good? Because if you're willing to trust the fact that he's good, then whatever he sends you, you're willing to go. Whatever he asks you to do, you're willing to do. But the problem is that too often we resist that because there's a trust factor. There's a trust factor. There's a trust factor. I remember the trust factor with, with my father trying to teach me to swim when I was about five years of age. Now, I knew that my dad loved me, and I knew that he wanted me to swim, but I was scared of the water. And so he'd take me into the water, and I was okay while I could touch, while I could touch the ground. But that's where you don't learn to swim where you can touch the bottom. You learn to swim where you can't. And so he'd take me to this water, and, he, and I'd start screaming, No, oh, I'm scared. And he'd say, but, but, but I'm holding you. But I'm still scared. But I, I won't let you drown. But I'm still scared. And, and, and that, that, that fear was actually a contradiction to the trusting of my father. Because there was no way in the world he was going to let me drown. I was the apple of his eye. I was his firstborn son. You don't ever drown your firstborn son. That's principle number one for Father's Day, Okay. <laughs> If you want to have a good Father's Day, you don't kill your children. That's part of the deal. That's what we teach fathers in father's school. You understand that, don't you? But as a five-year-old, there's this whole trust thing that I'm having to work with. And I wanted to swim. I wanted to swim. But the trust factor was an obstacle for me. And I think for a lot of us, it's the trusting God that we've got to come to grips with. And, and to get not just a theology of God, but to get an understanding that where he leads you is not a bad place, but a good place, is such an important thing. And so, and so for me, I laid a foundation in my life, taken from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, right in the early years of my ministry, right in the foundational years. How many of you can quote Proverbs 3, 5 and 6? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will, will make your path straight. He will direct your paths. Very good, Rowena. Top of the class. Huh? 
It's your life scripture. But that whole trust in the Lord, that whole trust in God and, and direction. Because what, what happens is this, is that we're wanting the direction. We're wanting, we're wanting to be led. We're wanting to go to a great place. We're wanting that blessing. But it's dependent upon the trust, the whole trust. And so the whole trust factor is, is God says, will you take up your cross and follow me? Oh, but God, that, I, can, can, I, can I choose the cross? No, no, no. I've chosen the cross for you. All I need for you to do is to pick it up and follow me. But, 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 but so-and-so's got a prettier cross than me. You want to carry so-and-so's cross? It wasn't designed for you. It was designed for them. In actual fact, that cross will break you because it wasn't designed for you. How, how is it that's, that we're always looking over the fence and kind of thinking that so-and-so has got a better deal than our deal? You know, rather than saying, God, I trust you that whatever deal you give me is the deal for me. I trust you that whatever journey you've designed is the journey for me. And, 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 and Paul just puts it so beautifully. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. You wouldn't want to carry a cross that hasn't the grace connected with it. And you know what? There's only one grace for one cross. There's only one grace for one journey. There's only one grace that God gives you, and that's for the direction that he sets you in life, and that's where the blessing factor is. But so many people get to this line where Abraham was, where God says, hey, you know what? I've got a better place. But for you to go to that better place, you've got to leave this place. You've become comfortable here. You've, you, you've surrounded yourself with the niceties of Haran, but Haran isn't the destiny. Haran isn't the place that I've got for you. Canaan is. That's where the promises are, but you've got to leave this place. You've got to leave your father's house. You've got to leave this country. You've got to leave this to go to that place. Will you trust me? Will you obey me? Will you obey me? See, obedience in the Bible is connected to blessing. Right throughout the Bible, what you find, you get to Deuteronomy 28, which is a, Deuteronomy 28 is a pivotal chapter in the Bible because the whole 40 years in the wilderness is, is pivotal on, on this one chapter, Deuteronomy 28, where God says, listen, for the last 40 years, I've only tried to teach you this one lesson and you got to get it. And here's the one lesson. If you obey, you'll be blessed. If you disobey, you won't be blessed. It's as simple as that. And, and, and one of the big struggles in life is this obeying God, obeying the word of the Lord, obedience, better than sacrifice is, is what the Bible says. But so often we'd rather sacrifice than obey. God says, I'm not interested in your sacrifice. I'm interested in your obedience. Will you obey me? Will you break through? Would you listen? Would you trust me enough to obey me? Because if you're not obeying God, the factor is you don't trust him. You kind of think that maybe your way is better. How many people have you witnessed to? How many people have you tried to share faith with? And, and, and they get it, but they won't let go because they kind of think that to serve God, to obey God, means they'll have a substandard life. 
How many people do you know? Well, 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 does that mean that I'll have to give this up and that up and this up and that up? And my response is, God will never ask you to give up anything that he will not replace with something better. Why is that? Because God's a good God. And if you trust him, you understand this. He'll say, hey, if you give this up, this is damaging you. This is killing you. This is ruining you. But I got something better that won't damage you, that won't kill you, that won't ruin you, but it'll actually bless you and increase you. Will you trust me enough to let go of the poison and grab hold of the honey? Oh, oh, but the poison is so much fun, but it's killing you. It's destroying you. Trust. Trusting God has got to be a foundational. And if you want the blessing upon your life, you've got to break through that barrier of, of not trusting God to get into the place where you say, God, I'm willing to trust you. I'm willing to take that leap of faith. I'm willing to go into whatever place you want me to go to see the blessing upon my life. Here's the second barrier. Are you ready? It's really connected to the first barrier. But the second barrier is the whole fear barrier. It's just this whole breaking the fear thing. It's just, you know, he's God saying to Moses, God saying to Abraham, leave the place that you know to go to a place that you don't know. Leave what you know to go to what you don't know. As soon as you go to the don't know, that's where fear comes in. But what if what I don't know is worse? And all fear does, it projects into the future and just sees bad. That's all fear does. Fear projects. It's a projection. And it sees bad. It sees negative. It sees something horrid. One of the things that we did on our holidays when, when we were cruising, we went to an island called Cayman Island in the Caribbean. And one of the highlights of Cayman Island is swimming with the stingrays. And so it's just one of the things that you do. But when I first suggested it to Anne, hey, wouldn't it be fun to swim with the stingrays? The only picture that Anne got in her mind was Steve Irwin. When he swam with a stingray, he ended up dying. Okay? So, Anne's projecting, you know, stingrays, Steve Irwin equals death. No way am I going to swim with a stingray. Okay? So, that's a projection. So, me on the other hand, I'm thinking excitement, story to tell. Not the dying bit. That's not a good story to tell. Just, just you know, the swimming with the, just the experience. It's just, and so, um, and so, you know, and no, I'm thinking, okay, let's go from another angle. Let's just let that settle, go from another. Anyway, eventually, what ended up happening eventually, and ended up being talked into it. And so, um, and so we, we went on the journey to Cayman Island to where the stingrays were. And as soon as, you know, we got there, I dived into the water swimming away and stayed on the boat looking. Then after a while, I cajoled her to come in. And so she took the plunge. Go, girl. Until a stingray brushed up against her leg 
And uh, immediately she jumped onto my back. <laughs> and she hung on. Now I was quite enjoying the hanging on bit. And then the stingray came closer and she just about crawled onto my shoulders, onto my head to try to get out of the water. But, uh, but, but see, the, the thing is, is that all fear does, it projects the negative. That's all it does. And so if you can start changing the projection, start changing the picture of your life, then you'll start to break the mindsets that keep you small and, and keep your world so limited. And, and too many of us have, because I really believe that this world, has, because it's negative, it's almost natural to be fearful rather than natural to be full of faith. And so somehow the Word of God has to come into our lives where it just removes the fear factor and puts faith into it. Either that or we've got to be exposed to people whose mindsets are bigger than ours and who, who, who basically draw us to a bigger way of thinking. Honestly, I want to surround myself with people whose mindsets are bigger than mine. Who, who rather than making excuses for why something can't be done, start making reasons as to why it can be done. Because the people that achieve something in life are not those that have got a million reasons as to why it can't be done, but are the people that find at least one reason why it can be done, and they're willing to put up their hand and say, you know what, and I'm willing to give it a go. Mindsets. What's, what mindsets have you got that are limiting you. Because maybe those mindsets are the very thing that's robbing you from coming into the blessing of God. Because let me tell you something. If Abraham was to get counsel as to, hey, what do you think? You know, God's spoken to me about leaving Haran, where we've got this nice, comfortable situation going. And he's told me to go to Canaan. What do you guys think? I guarantee there would have been a million people get up and say, those Canaanites are crazy people, mate. They'll kill you for the $2 that you got in your pocket. Best thing for you to do is to stay home. Yeah, but God's saying that he's going to make a great nation out of me, that, that I'm going to be blessed, and that through me, the nations of the world, the families of the world are going to be blessed. Oh, you don't want to listen to that. You know, it, you know just... It's, it, might, it might have been the pizza you had last night. You know, he is, he is a little bit crazy. He just stay put. There's lots of people that will want for you to stay enclosed in your mindset. But then there are other people that say, why don't you give it a go? Why don't, why don't, why don't you test this out? If this is God, God's going to protect you from the Philistines. God's going to protect you from the Canaanites. God's going to protect you from all the dangers that are on that road to the blessing. God, if God is going to be with you, then what have you got to be afraid of? Come on, break those mindsets. Something's got to happen to shake us free from mindsets that keep us small. Do you know, get hold of this. I've got relatives that live a four-hour train trip from Venice. Get on the train and in four hours you're at Venice. And they've never been to Venice. That's crazy talk. That's crazy talk. You say, are you kidding me? Four hour train trip. Yeah, 50 euros. And you're there. 50 euros. 
and you're a Venet and never been. And I'm not just talking about one relative. I'm talking about more than one. More than two. And you say, say, that's crazy. That is just madness. No, what that is, is mindsets. That's what that is. Do they want to go to Venice? Yeah, they do. Well, why don't they? Because there are mindsets that stop them. But what happens when I get there? It's just going to, it's such a long trip, four hours by train. We have to stay in hotels and, you know, they rob you over there and this and that. And, that. and so they've got a million reasons as to why they should stay where they are and not go to Venice. And I can think up of a million reasons why they should. Huh? I can think up of a million reasons. But mindsets keep you blocked. My answer, now you're sitting here and saying, well, 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 that's crazy stuff. I mean, I mean we're in Australia. If I live for our train trip, man, I'd be... But what mindset's holding you back from moving into what God's got for you? See, it's so easy to criticize someone else's mindset that keeps them limited. But what about you? What are your mindsets that keep you limited? Come on, bring it home now because there is stuff that the enemy puts into your life where you begin to believe, I can't. And if I venture out, maybe danger will come my way. Come on, you got to break loose of this so that you can come into what God's got for you because those mindsets are barriers to blessing. One more, and then I'll finish. If you turn to verse 10, this is fascinating because Abraham finally ventures out. He breaks that whole trusting God. God, I'm going to trust you. I'm just going to believe that you're in this. I'm just going to trust that you're a good God and you're not taking me from from a good thing to a bad thing. You're going to take me from a good thing to a better thing. That's the way you are. God, I'm going to break the fear barrier, those mindsets, and I'm going to launch it. And he ends up getting to Canaan. He ends up getting there. Woohoo! We're in Canaan finally. Then verse 10 says, Now there was a famine in the land. Bum bum. All of a sudden, crisis hits. He said, But he's in the will of God. Yes, he is in the will of God. Well, how can there be crisis in the will of God? Because there is. You say, but, but surely, that's, you know, I heard a preacher once say that if you're in the will of God, nothing bad will ever happen to you. Well, he just got his theology pretty wrong, didn't he? Why is that? Because crisis is part of life. Consider it all joy, James says, when you encounter various trials. Come on, get the Bible in context rather than proof texting, just pulling out one text out of one little corner of the Bible and and just get the whole thing from Genesis right through to Revelation. And what you will notice is this, that crisis is part of the package deal in life. But you've got to learn to navigate crisis. Everybody say navigate crisis. Because that is one of the big barriers that we've got to confront. When crisis hits, what do you do? We just sit there and just rebuke the devil. You filthy devil, how dare you? Well, Abraham didn't rebuke the devil. You know what Abraham did? Well, there's famine in the land. Well, let's navigate ourselves through the famine. What do we do? We go to Egypt. Okay, let's go to Egypt. 
We're going to live in Egypt? No, we'll just navigate to Egypt for a season until the famine's over and then we'll go back. But you know what, what, what happened? I, I love this. In chapter 13, he navigated to Egypt. And then in chapter 13, it says that Abraham went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot with him to the south. Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver, and in gold. You know what happened while he was in Egypt? God just increased his wealth. In other, in, in, in other words, though crisis came, because he was able to navigate it, he came out the other end better off because of the crisis. You say, what? See, this is the way that God works, is that he exposes us to crisis to actually increase the blessing on our lives. But so often we're so busy rebuking the crisis that we don't navigate well through the crisis. And I want to say to you that, that whatever crisis you're facing right now, God's got a blessing on the other end of it if you navigate well. Navigate well. Navigate well. Navigate well. Navigate well. He said, but, but didn't Jesus rebuke the crisis? You know what? Sometimes there are crises that we need to rebuke. But sometimes we just need to navigate. It's like the storms of life. You know, yes, there was an occasion where Jesus rebuked the storm and he said, peace be still. But we've got other occasions where, where Jesus didn't rebuke it. He just navigated the disciples through it. I mean, you remember the story of Jesus walking on water. How many, you know, he's, he's on a hill. He sees the disciples are struggling in the storm. He could have rebuked it. He could have said, okay, this disciples are struggling in the storm. I'm going to rebuke it. Peace be still. No, no. He decides, I'm going to walk on the water next to them. Imagine that. Rather than rebuking it, he walks on the water next to them. Peter sees, is that a ghost? What's going on here? What? Jesus, is that you? Yeah, it is. If it's you, then bid me come. And so, so Peter ends up walking on the water with Jesus and, and just, just this amazing thing. Then, then he's the Apostle Paul getting caught in a storm in this horrible crisis on the sea that went on and on and on and on and on and on. And eventually they get shipwrecked on the island of Malta. Do we have any Maltesers here? I love the Maltesers. They're great. I love to tease the Maltesers from Malta. And, uh, but but let, let me tell you something. I've been to Malta on, on quite a few occasions. And to this day, the Maltesers, the, the people from Malta, actually thank God for the storm that shipwrecked Paul on the island of Malta because that crisis brought the gospel to their land. And, they, and they, they, to this day, they're thanking God for that crisis, for that storm. They, they're able to navigate and pull something out of it. You know, honestly, too often we... We're sitting there rebuking, rebuking, God, I hate this, and God, I rebuke it. And Hey, listen, if it ain't going away, change your tack and say, God, is this one of these crises that you want me to navigate through? Rather than spending my life rebuking it, do you want me to navigate through? Because if I navigate it through, I'll come at the other end more blessed than how I started this thing. Because I'm telling you, there's blessing in crisis. You know, let me tell you something. My father was in crisis in 1951 in Italy after the Second World War. It was basically, Italy was bankrupt. But that crisis actually was the catapult that got him to Australia. 
And so because of that crisis, he says, I can't stand living in Italy any longer. I'm going to migrate. Where? I don't care where. Just open the door. He wanted to go to Belgium. Those doors closed. The door to Australia opened. And so he navigated through. Well, I don't even know where Australia is, but I'm willing to give it a go. And so he came to Australia and, you know, he left Italy in 1951, arrived here in 1952. And, you know, and, and I, I was born here. And I thank God to this day for that crisis in Italy that, that caused my father to come to Australia. And whatever crisis, this is, again, this is what I've noticed. Most people that get saved, get saved because of a crisis in their lives. If, you, if, you, if, if I were to go around this room and, and ask people, when did you get born again? I guarantee that most of you will say, well, there was this crisis in my life and that led me to God. This crisis led me to God. This crisis led me to God. There was this sickness. There was this thing. I was just desperate. My, my, my family was breaking up. My marriage was breaking up. Whatever. A crisis. And you know what? Don't let crisis be your enemy. Let it be your friend and navigate through it because at the other end, there's a blessing involved. And that's exactly what Abraham did. He came through the other end, bigger and better, into the land of incredible blessing for his life. I want blessing for you, seriously. I want amazing blessing for you. But if, you, if you're going from disaster to disaster and everything you touch sort of crumbles, then, then I want to ask you a question. You can come up, Steve. Uh, I want to ask you a question. Are, are you obeying God? Because if you're not obeying God, then the problem is you don't trust him enough to obey him. That's, that's the issue. Because if you were to get a deeper revelation of God to trust him implicitly, then obedience becomes so much easier when you can trust him implicitly. So disobedience is only a factor when you kind of think that what God is asking of you is going to take something precious from you that you want. But when you understand, God's never going to ask me to give anything up that he won't replace with something better. So I'm willing to do that. God, may your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. God, God, I'm just trusting you. Come on, trust, trust. It's a barrier that you've got to break. That whole mindset Is is your mindset limited? Are you living in fear? Fear of the future. Fear of this. Fear of that. Just afraid to venture out because you're painting negative scenarios all the time. We need to confront that and break that spirit of fear. Paul writes to Timothy and says, Timothy, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Come on, break that spirit of fear. Break those small mindsets so that you can come into the blessing of God. And then thirdly, whatever crisis you're facing, if it's not being rebuked, if it's not going, then just say, Lord, what do you want to teach me through this? I'm going to navigate through this. Okay, we've prayed it, we've rebuked it, we've gone to every single altar call known to man, every single visiting pastor that comes to town, we're at that altar praying and believing and, 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 and we're just at the side of the road rebuking, rebuking rather than getting into the ship and saying, you know what, we've prayed in faith, it hasn't gone, so let's navigate through it. Come on, 
Let's get into that ship. Let's navigate. We got waves here, waves there, but Jesus, you're with us. You're going to navigate. We're going to come that other end bigger and better than ever. We're not going to let this thing drown us. We're not going to let this thing squash us. We're not going to let this thing intimidate us. We're not going to let this thing destroy us. Why? Because God is for us. And if God be for us, who can be against us? He has destined us for blessing. He has destined us for greatness. He has destined us for success. And whatever crisis comes our way is temporary. It's small. It's little. It has a use-by date. It will be gone. But Jesus is forever. And because I'm in Him, I'm going to be with Him forever and ever and ever. Ruling and reigning with Christ forever and ever and ever. On the throne with Jesus forever and ever. Come on, if you're ever going to clap, give the Lord a great big praise offering for the victory that's in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thanks for listening to this message from the North Shore Christian Centre Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at www.nscc.org.au. Through our website, you can keep up to date with what's happening in the life of our church in Chatswood, New South Wales, as well as accessing other free resource materials. 